Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Les Talk Podcast. LES is in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We are super pumped to be with you guys again this week. Uh, we got a BYU Baylor recap, which, you know, we're not super pumped about that. But we'll also be talking about Cougs and the Pros, the Fastest 15, talking about college football as a whole, our playoff teams. We got a loaded show. So without further ado, let's get to it. Let's boo. Go Tigers. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go over here! That's right! Let's back this bula. Yeah! Ah! Yes! Let's go wild, Let's man. Go, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We're at a waterfall, dude. Oh, 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 oh. Put this spot down here. What the hell? Go, 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 go. Alrighty, listeners, welcome into another episode. Uh, let's get started with the Baylor recap. Let's get that off of our minds. So, in case you didn't hear, BYU took another L. Yeah, losing to Baylor, thirty-eight to twenty-four. It's a fat L. Yeah. yeah a pretty wide L. But yes. <laughs> as far as L's come. Font size sixty four. Ooh. Um it I don't think we had a chance from the start. We looked pretty outmatched the whole time. Yeah. Uh Baylor was up three zero after the first, seventeen seven at halftime, thirty one fourteen after the third, and then won it thirty eight to twenty four. Yeah. I mean, I think we said coming into this game that Baylor puts up points. And we knew that Baylor was going to put up points, but that we needed to score in order to win this football game. And that is something we didn't do. We really scored. I mean, you can count, you know, we count the Jaron Hall touchdown because obviously it was a touchdown. It was electric. But that was a busted play yeah. on Baylor. Throw that out. We only scored two touchdowns on like plays that we actually like lined up and beat the other team on, not just a busted coverage. But hey, shout out to Baylor. They are a really good football team. They showed that they were the better team. And their stadium was incredible. What a scene. Yeah, and they were uh, very hospitable from what we've heard. Okay. They had a float in their homecoming day parade with Tom Homo and Kevin Worthen on it, like with all the cheerleaders, like with signs that said, welcome to the Big 12, welcome to Waco. Okay, cool. So it was really cool. Um they already have a picture of the BYU broadcasting crew up in their Big 12, like, broadcasting place. I don't know. I just saw a picture of it. Really? It's got, like, Greg and Sweet. Riley up there. Dang, um, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So, honestly, like, shout out to them. I think they were just a better team. I There were some things that BYU did wrong and could have done better, but I think either way, Baylor's, they're a very good football team. I think this team is a team that can compete with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma for uh, the Big 12 championship. I'd have to agree there. And I have to admit something. This loss, gentlemen, is partly Jared and I's fault. Um, we had a discussion last podcast, the last episode of the podcast, that BYU would win if they were east of the state of Utah. Check. Yes, they were. Yeah. Uh, wearing white jerseys and colored pants. Check. But we specified that it had to be under 58 degrees. Mm. Which was dumb on our part because it's Waco, Texas. I know. <laughs> it, was, it was over 58 degrees. Balmy. Uh, you know, I was talking to, I'm in a class with Baylor Romney. I was talking to him. He said that it was actually really hot. 
So I'm not sure what temperature it was, but it was outside of that temperature range. So uh, I think we got to take some of this L on us. Yep. yep. Hand up. <laughs> That's our bad. Yep. Yeah. You can <laughs> blame Les Talk for that. Sorry, <laughs> Nation. Yeah. Our, our bad. Well, uh, let's just get into our knee jerks, yeah? All right. Let's go for it. Um, I'll actually start us off. Uh, mm. Honestly, damn! We <laughs> just got outworked. <laughs> um I kind of saw this coming because BYU didn't look super hot against Boise. We got out physical, and Baylor is a very good football team. Um, so I'm disappointed with the lack of fight, but it doesn't hurt as much as the Boise State one because this is a game where you didn't really have a like BYU never really had a chance, right? There were things right. we could have done better. We could have stopped the run. We could have, but honestly, yeah, I'll get into my after letting it stew thoughts a little bit later. But honestly. Not too surprised, but still stings a little bit that we got embarrassed. You know, I I really have to agree with you. Um, my feelings for Brigham Young University football right now are summed up perfectly by this line from the song written by Nash. I hate you, I love you, I hate that I love you, don't want to, but I can't put nobody else above you. Um, this game was bad on both ends. It really was. Uh, we got manhandled on the offensive and defensive fronts. Uh, in the trenches, we just got outmanned. It was yeah, it was very disappointing to see. We couldn't run the ball for garbage. And Dan was looking this up just a little bit ago. Like Tyler Algier had how many rushing yards? 33, right? 33 yards. 33 yards. That's total. That's just unacceptable. <laughs> uh, and that's not his fault. That's obviously, you know, he never got a chance to break out one. Baylor looks good, but we could have won this game. This was a bad, bad showing for our team. Yeah, and as far as I go, this 30 seconds of art sums up my feelings about the football season. On lonely nights, I start to fade. On lonely nights, I start to fade. Her love's a thousand miles away. Her love's a thousand miles away. Memories made in the coldest winter. I mean, this one, like Jared was saying, didn't sting as much for me because I wasn't as optimistic going into the game. Probably a little more realistic. But you know, like I said, <clears throat> just kind of summarizing the game, we were outmatched from the start. Our defense especially looked helpless out there. <laughs> Baylor just ran the ball all over us and then threw the ball all over us when we tried to stop the run more. And it's kind of messy. It's ugly. Yeah, not good. I thought Tuiaki's D might work against an FCS team, but definitely not in the Big 12, <laughs> where they have those high-powered offenses coming through every week, so that'll have to be adjusted a bit. And the offense had some flashes, but just weren't good enough to keep up. And you know, credit to Baylor. They looked really good. They looked dangerous. They honestly did. They did. Um, <clears throat> Let's get into our good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, let's, let's get into it, Dan. What was the good in this game? The good, I thought it just looked like a pleasant day of football. It was sunny, yeah. you know, packed stadium, surprising amount of BYU fans. True. I thought that was good. You could hear them chanting a few times. Nice. Um, that's um, 
I mean, Pukunukua was good. <laughs> yeah, Pukunukua was great. Jared's gonna talk about that, but yeah, it just looked like a very pleasant day, good sunny day, and it was <laughs> it was sunny in Provo too. Like just you know, happy day. Except good for day the, for football. The football. It, it was a good game. football day, you know. <laughs> yeah, that was at least good. Jared, what, what do you think? What was the good that came out of this game? Uh, I'm going with Pukunukua, kind of like Dan said. He had his career high <clears throat> five receptions oh. for 168 yards and a touchdown. Ooh. And if we're being honest, if Jaron throws a better deep ball, Puka could have had three touchdowns in the first two quarters. Yeah. He had he beaten his man, was wide open, and Jaron underthrew him by like a good 10 yards. Yeah. And that was partially the reason that. You know, Puka could get the balls because they weren't behind enough that the DB had a chance. They were so behind that Puka had to basically run like a sixty-yard hook route, yeah, to catch the ball. <clears throat> so, yeah. but he is phenomenal. That guy can go up and get balls, and I'm really, yeah. really excited about Puka going into the into the future and the rest of the season. Yeah, one what? thing I noticed about those deep throws was. Kind of like you were saying, but they were so off that it was like hard to defend. <laughs> like, the DD couldn't look up at the ball and look at Puka at the same time. Yeah, and Puka had to like look up and suddenly change directions, almost like a planned move. But it was really just because the throw was so behind. <laughs> Puka just went up and made great plays on the ball. So yeah, that was beautiful. He's really what good. year is Puka? He is technically a. Is it a redshirt sophomore? Okay, is it a sophomore? Something okay, like cool. Yeah. Uh, the good for me this game, uh, <clears throat> controversially, is actually Jaron Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily his play overall. I think he actually did a, did play a decent game. He really did. But Jaron, for the first time this season, actually took shots. And he didn't take just one or two. He took multiple shots all the time. He was not afraid to sling the ball downfield. So shout out to Jaron for that. And that long touchdown run, even though it was a busted, you know, it was a busted defensive play, he ran the ball. He wasn't scared. He didn't run out of bounds. He didn't slide when there was somebody in a five-yard radius of him. The coaches actually let him run a read option. Now they might have told Jaron not to pull it. Who knows? But Jaron, the fact of the matter is, he did pull it. He took it, and he took it to the house. So that is the good for me that that Jaron started playing more like the Jaron Hall that we that we need if he's going to start. I was happy to see that too. The deep balls and the running. And, you know, he didn't play a perfect game, I think. But I don't think I blame this game on him at all. He made a lot of, you know, good plays. So I know I was hard on Jaron on the last podcast. I don't I don't blame this game on him at all. I think we were just outmatched. Yeah. You know, top to bottom. But yeah. He did have completely agree. He did put up some pretty good numbers today. He had over like three hundred yards passing. Yeah, so. he had three forty yeah. or something. So, so shout out to Jaron Hall for that. So decent. Uh, let's head into the bad of the game. Dan, you wanna yeah wanna start it off? Um, I had the defensive line here. Okay, <laughs> I, I wonder yeah. why that <laughs> it looked pretty weak. Honestly, <laughs> not that I could do any better, of course. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll throw Dan in there as, <laughs> a, it, as a D tackle. It'd be ten times worse if I was light enough. <laughs> but hey, you might be able to bear crawl through people's legs. That's true. <laughs> I could just dive under the legs, try and get the snap. Exactly. There you go. You but, that the spike interception. 
dive through oh, yeah, on, the, on the fourth <laughs> the ground. Baylor had a grand total of let's see, don't, what I'm looking. Another leading rusher had like 180 yards or something, you 190. The yeah. team had 303 <laughs> rushing yards, which oh, I know we've got invisible. some injuries in our linebackers, but 303 <laughs> is abominable. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, D-Line had their work cut out and they were not to the task today or mm-hmm. Saturday. Yeah. Uh, I would also... I, I, I'm going to attack that point a little bit later, Dan, because I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I am going with what Justin said was good. And so I, I get what you're saying, Justin. I think that Jaron running the ball, that was exactly what we want from him, right? That's why he's the quarterback, is because he can pull those read options and take it 55 yards to the house. Yep. It's fantastic. Um. My concern is with the deep ball because I think that we we obviously couldn't run the ball at all, right? No. We had like 67 rushing yards total mm-hmm. as a team, and most of that came on the 55-yard run from James Hall. Yeah, right? sure. no, yeah, it really did. So, and I think part of this might be scheme, but I think part of it as well is that we, our wide receivers were winning their one-on-ones as we saw with Puka, Samson, Isaac Rex was open a couple times, so was Gunnar Romney. Um, and I think that Jaron, though he did a good job, and if you look at his stats, he had like, what was it, 342 passing yards and yeah. one touchdown with only nine incompletions. So like, you look at the stats and that's great. But like watching the game, he underthrew Puka Nakua a lot. He looked a little bit frustrated. He took like six or seven sacks. Yeah. yeah. And he... <laughs> Looked like he was not like afraid to run the ball, but he was afraid to take hits, or maybe the coaches were afraid to have him get hit, so he didn't run the ball as often. Right. So I, I don't know how much of that is injury, how much of that is scheme, but I just feel like it wasn't quite as explosive as it could have been if he could have hit the deep balls, if he could have been scrambling around like we've been accustomed to him seeing. So that's why Jaron Hall and just the passing game is my bad. All right, yeah, fair enough. No, yeah. I, t- I totally get what, I totally get what you mean there with Jaron Hall under throwing those balls. And I agree with the sacks. I think he took. I mean, they weren't all his fault, but I right. think he could yeah. have you know thrown it away or whatever. He could have avoided most of those sacks, but yeah, he just seemed a little bit like slow as far as decision makings wasn't right. as decisive yeah. as we'd like him to be. I think yeah, that's a good way of putting so, it. So you know, maybe he's still a little rattled from the injury, not. 100% confident or whatever, but... Yeah, I yeah. totally agree on that. Cause, downside. You know, when he got hit in the back and fumbled the ball, it looked like it was a route that was supposed to be thrown quickly, but that he took a little bit of time on. Yeah. Yeah, I heard, um, and I don't I can't confirm this, but A-Rod was talking about changing up the calls because Grimes and Baylor mm. know the calls, right? Yeah. Right, and yeah. I, on that play, Jaron was waiting for a play to break out when the wide receiver broke in and it was a miscommunication with the calls. And so Jaron was waiting for something that wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And I don't know if that's on him or the wide receiver, but right. that's I like when you, when you're saying that, I think that's, yeah. That okay. Yeah. That, that makes well. sense. Yeah, sure. That makes sense. So What's moving on bad, to the, Justin? Oh yeah. I didn't even oh, talk yeah. about the bad. I don't want to skip that. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, uh, bad is the Russian defense. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Dan already touched on it when he talked about the defensive line. Nobody should give up 300 rushing yards a game. 
Uh, I just can't believe that we did that. We're a defense that's known for like being physical and for like being big in the trenches, and we just weren't that. We got manhandled. We got pushed around. It wasn't good. It was really bad, and I guess that's why it's all my bad segment. <laughs> Moving on to the ugly, though. Dan, what was just what was just downright ugly? My ugly was that series right before halftime. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if you guys remember this, but yeah. we yep. got the ball with like I don't know how much, like a minute, like minute left or a minute and a half, uh-huh. and. You know, our first play is like a run down the middle. We get like two, three yards. So you think, okay, we're just going to run the run ball in the half. Then we call a timeout. <laughs> Stop the clock. And then our play out of the timeout, another run up the middle for like two, three more yards. And then did they call a timeout or did we call a timeout? They call a timeout and stopped the clock. And we're like, okay. They were thinking they could get the ball back. So then... You know, eventually we did end up having to punt and giving them the ball back and another chance to score right before halftime because we couldn't make up our minds between, you know, running the clock out or (laughs) calling timeouts and trying to put something together. That was just pretty ugly. And I was texting Jared and Justin during the game. It looked like we were kind of making fools of ourselves there. (laughs) The coaches, I don't know what they were doing, but it didn't work. So... That yeah. was kind of ugly. My ugly is anything that has to do with the running, with running the football, be it offensively or defensively. You, if you can't stop the run, then your offense needs to be able to put up points. And in order for your offense to be successful, whether you like it or not, you need to run the football at least, you know, at least decently in order to open up the pass game. And we could not do that whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, I anything that had to do with the run game, bad. Ugly, absolutely just horrific to look at. Bad. You know what was really horrific to look at? That botched flea flicker, like two series into the game, <laughs> where A Rod decides to call that little like reverse flea flicker thing. Like on the second series, when the defense is still fresh, and we're not even like in the red zone or anything. Like, <laughs> oh, like I think maybe <laughs> he was just trying to like get a jump on him. Like okay, like I get it. Yeah, sure, it's a trick play. A Rod, that is literally the only trick play you've run. The entire year, and you've run it at least <laughs> twice per game. I know. Are you going to tell me that a defensive coordinator isn't going to look at that and say, huh, that's something we should like maybe prepare for? Right? Yeah. And this is Grimes. Yeah, Grimes invented this play. Yeah, exactly. They have Grimes <laughs> so on I can their guarantee sideline. you that starting this game, like Baylor's defensive coordinator wrote on the whiteboard, like, hey, like, look out for this play. You know, don't <laughs> yep. get beat by it. Two series in, it's still fresh in the Baylor defense mind. It happens. Boom. Sack Darren Hall. Yep. Like. That was ugly. That was just very terrible to look at. It made me want to gouge out my eyes with the uh, with the wings I was eating at Buffalo Wild Wings at the time. Mm. <sighs> yeah, um, that was ugly. That was really, really ugly. Well, there you have it. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of glad that we record this, uh, you know, a couple days after the game, so that we can get our like our thoughts right. You know, yeah. it's very censored. If we would have if we would record this like right after the game, <laughs> there would be so many like. Insults it, flying around. It, yes. Oh, man. We are not happy. Bad. But after letting it stew, what do you guys think? How much, uh, like, what do you guys take away from this? Let's start with you, Justin. Um, I'd say Baylor is a very good football team. They were unranked. I think they deserved to be ranked. And now I think they very much deserve the ranking that they have. Oh, yes. Their only loss, if I'm not mistaken, is to Oklahoma State, correct? Who is an undefeated top 10 top team. Top 10 team. So, uh, Baylor... Like they sucked last year, but now they're, right now they're in contention for the Big Twelve championship. If really Oklahoma are. State were to lose, you know they're they're in that top three range. Yeah. So shout out to them. 
It was disappointing to see the way that we played. It's not that we lost that was so disappointing. It's how we lost that was very disappointing. But honestly, I knew we weren't making a New Year's Six after we lost last week. So with every loss from now on, uh, every loss will be less and less painful. And none of it, well, none of the losses will sting as much as the Boise State loss did. Yeah, that one really stung. That one still is in my heart. I'm looking forward to seeing the way. Uh, I'm looking forward to just watching the way that the season unfolds now to see Jaron develop because it's obvious that Aaron Roderick wants Jaron Hall to be the starter. So we'll see the way that he develops throughout the rest of the game, and hopefully he'll come back with a stronger junior campaign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, with every loss. I get more and more excited to join the Big 12. Interesting. (laughs) Because we've seen it the last couple seasons now where when we're independent, you know, we might start off really well. But once we get one loss, it's almost like, you know, the season loses all Mm -hmm. of its meaning. Yeah. What's there to Um, fight for? There's not that much external motivation as far as, you know, conference standings or conference championship to play for. And it almost seems like every game after that is kind of an exhibition game. Just like kind of a random matchup yeah. that, you know, you're just scheduled to play and it doesn't really have any postseason uh, implications once you have that one loss and are out of New Year's Six contention. So I'm excited to join the Big 12 where even if we get one loss, we can still bounce back and, you know, keep winning, try to beat good teams and have that conference championship to play for. Kind of yeah. like Baylor is right now. Yeah, like exactly. Baylor. They took a loss earlier, but they're still you know, fiery. They still have a lot to play for in the Big 12. So, and another thing that I was thinking about after letting it stew has to do with Jaron Hall. And I want to hear guys' takes on this because he's been getting a decent amount of like NFL draft hype. Like, a lot of people have him as a prospect. Yeah, I've seen that. that. It's not something I saw going into the season, but he's still young. So what do you guys think about his NFL prospects? Um, I get why he's a hot prospect. Uh, we were looking at, was that post that you sent from, like, Pro Football Focus? or I think so. Yeah, I think Pro Football Focus posted about him that, you know, obviously BYU right now is a hotbed for like talking about quarterbacks just because Zach Wilson just came out. Mm-hmm. So, and Jaron Hall has a little bit of uh, like social prowess as well because he is the first African American quarterback to start it to start at Brigham Young University at the position of quarterback. So that's like listed whenever he's brought up in the draft. Yeah, but that's always listed as like one of the reasons that he's a good prospect. Yeah, uh, because like, he's Character a leader. He's a leader. He's a has great character. He's a pioneer. Uh, so I think he's a decent prospect at this point, but I don't think he's an elite prospect. I don't think he's a great prospect. I think that he's really got to he's really got to work on the deep ball. In the NFL, unless you're Drew Brees, you need the deep ball this far. <laughs> <laughs> unless you have slant boy Michael Captain Thomas. Slant. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think yeah, he's he's got to work on that deep ball. He's got to work on leading his receivers. Mm. I think he probably can get there, but he won't be like a second round pick junior year exit like Zach Wilson was mm-hmm. I think this year definitely not an NFL prospect mm-hmm. uh he kind of reminds me a little bit um and ex- it's not you know it's not the same uh exactly but he kind of reminds me of 2019 Zach Wilson yeah where he was good you could see the flashes but you could just tell it wasn't all there right sure so yeah and this and like let's be honest this is Jaron Hall's like sixth start right 
Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. We gotta cut him some slack. You're right. Yeah, I say we give him another year. You know, if he keeps working with John Beck, if he keeps improving, uh, he can definitely become that with the skills he has. To me, I look at Jaron more like I think the biggest comparison to him would probably be Isaiah Kafusi, um, the linebacker from last year. Yeah. Uh, if you guys remember, he was like a you know four year guy, three or four year guy, program dude. Uh, you know, really consistent. You know what you're getting from him. Um, he like understands the bigger picture of what Kalani's trying to teach. You know, but he's not like I'm gonna go out there and you know I'm not gonna be the Fred Warner of the world. And I think that's what kind of Jaron Hall is. He's like, I know what I am. I know what I can be. I'm not gonna go out there and be Zach Wilson. I'm just gonna be the best person I can. You know, the best player I can be, and wherever that takes me, great. That's how I see him. Okay. Yeah, um, just to pitch in my two cents going off of that, I think he does have the injury history. True. Which always complicates things in the NFL. Yeah. But, you know, he's also young and has shown that he's got talent. He's got the athleticism, and I believe he has the arm. He needs to work on the accuracy, but if he does work hard, I think maybe he'll have a chance. I don't know. A lot of games left to play before we get to that point, but that'll be something to keep an eye on this season as it pans out after our losses eliminate us from New Year's Six contention. <laughs> yeah. Um, as far as my letting after letting us do, Baylor is a better team, and they proved it. And so I'm not too worried that we lost the game. Kind of like you guys said, it was just disappointing that we gave up 303 yards on the ground. And <laughs> yeah. Didn't really score any points. Um, but. If I'm being honest, I feel like how how to put this. I feel like Ahsoka Tano after season five of Clone Wars, and she gets uh, blamed for these murders and bombings in the Jedi Order. And okay, okay. If you haven't yeah. watched Clone Wars, <laughs> spoiler alert. Okay, Punch she ears. leaves the Jedi Order because oh the Jedi like turn on her wow. and they like kick her out. But then after she gets out, she realizes like, hey, I'm free to do what I want, right? Mm. And obviously, it's a little like deeper than that. But that's kind of how I feel. I'm like, wow, I feel betrayed. I feel like kicked out. But now that I'm out of here, like now that we're out of contention, we're out of the New Year Six picture. We're out of the Jedi Order. We can kind of sit back and just relax and just watch the chaos, right? Because now we don't have to worry about impressing committee. We don't have to worry about style points. We don't have to worry about beating all these bad teams on our schedule, blah, blah, blah. We can just be happy with a win, no matter how it comes, right? We can just be happy that we won a football game. And I am really going to love that. I'm going to love sitting back in November, regardless, because we already know BYU is going to the Independence Bowl and playing Conference USA. Assuming we win one more game. (laughs) We got to win one. But I look forward to sitting back and enjoying the last half of October and November, just watching the chaos unfold. So I'm I'm not too mad. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So now moving on to a little more uh, happy part of the episode you know not, not we're not in our feels anymore about the BYU Baylor game yeah. it's time to talk about Cougs and the pros uh kind of a slow week for the Cougs and the pros this week uh not a whole lot of production mm-hmm. uh Zach Wilson had an off week you know he's always the big name so Michael Davis Fred Warner yeah yeah which those a are bunch probably of people the three did. biggest yeah like, <laughs> names biggest. right yeah, Fred Warner one of the best linebackers Taysom Hill I mean still concussed anyway so yeah, hopefully he's okay mind. 
Uh, Michael Davis had five tackles and a loss for the San Diego Chargers. I don't know if you guys saw the video of one of Michael Davis's tackles where he like just straight up picked up a guy that like caught like a little like, a little bubble route, picked yeah. him up and slammed him on the ground. Oh, man. So shout out to Michael Davis for that one. He's posted that on his social media like five times now. Okay. <laughs> and he's a baller too. Like he's pretty good. Can I talk about Michael Davis for a sec? Yes. Sure. I did not even know he went to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I was on my mission or what, but like, okay. I like BYU kept posting about him on social media. Like it's like, like his NFL highlights or something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. wait, who the, who's this guy again? <laughs> Cause I did not remember him. Playing in Pro Bowl at all. I don't know if I missed it or what. Let's see. It kind of vaguely rings a bell. But... He played 2013 to 2016. Yeah. Okay. So, during high school for me. Yeah. I guess I just forgot about him or something. He started it's in 30 games. He wasn't like super, super great in, yeah. uh, in college. though. Like, he was good, but he wasn't like, you know, a super highly like touted a... NFL prospect. Yeah. Yeah. He's made a good career for himself. Shout out Michael Davis. Yeah. yeah. Shout out him. He's a baller. Kyle Van Noy had four tackles, and Harvey Lungi had a tackle and an overtime loss for the Patriots. So Crazy game. Shout out to them. Jamal Williams had nine yards on five touches. I will say that one of those touches was for negative two. So if you take away his negative two-yard passing, uh, <laughs> his negative two-yard catch, 11 total yards. Uh, he went into the game with a hip injury. Uh, didn't play a whole lot, so... He's got a hip. Got uh, a hip. Dan, your boy. Um, my boy Dax Milne had one target, no receptions, <laughs> in a tough game for the professional football team in Washington. Um, but it's good to see that the last two games he's actually played. Yeah. As opposed to not playing in the first four or whatever. Yeah. So hopefully that keeps up and he can, you know, make more plays like he did last game to. You know, earn him more targets. Right. Daniel Sorensen in that same game had one tackle. Shout out, yeah. And then among the other inactives, you know, Zach Wilson, Taysom Hill, Fred Warner. Uh, Tyson Williams didn't play for the Ravens. I believe he's injured as well. And Kyrus Tonga didn't play for the Bears as far as I saw. I don't know. I feel like he's been battling an injury. He's been in and out of games. Yeah, I'm not sure. For a while. So that's crazy. The Ravens, they're, they're running backs just keep getting <laughs> injured one after another. Yeah. And yet they go so to like three San Diego and run the ball all over them and I know. put up like 40 points on them. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's, he was inactive for week four. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with all the injuries. Yeah. Well, there are your Cougs and the pros. Honestly, it's Pro probably Cougs. a pretty good year for I know. BYU and the pros. We're like, doing a good job. Yeah, we have a ton year. of people to talk about, you know? Like, <laughs> right? A couple years ago, we <laughs> talked about, like, okay, here's the three people. I know. <laughs> like, this guy just made it onto the practice, practice squad. squad. <laughs> this guy, yeah, yeah. Kyle Van Noy played really well for the Patriots, and Fred Warner's playing all right. Yeah. That would have been it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited much better. about this. I like it. So, shout out to the Cougs. You know, our, our program is putting players in the pros, and that is very good for our recruiting. Yep. One more kook in the pros, potentially. Oh. We've talked about a lot on this episode. Puka Nakua. Mm. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think he can make it? I think so. I definitely think he's, so. He's, yeah, he's an athlete. <laughs> he's a little short. He's a freak. Yeah. As far as height goes. Smaller. But you think about Hunter Renfro for the Raiders. Mm-hmm. He's a starter. He's yeah. really short, right? Could be a slot guy or something. Yeah. He could absolutely be a slot guy. And 
just Puka's downfield ability. Like, just yeah. to stop from sprinting full speed, go up the body control, to, like, high point the ball, bring mm. it down, and then drag guys. Like, wow. Yeah. He's um, got some fire in him, too. I think <laughs> he's got that competitive spirit that you need to compete in the NFL. So yeah, I think, absolutely. yeah, Puka can absolutely do it. Yeah. That should be fun to watch. <laughs> Hopefully he stays for a couple more years, but... Oh, yes, please. After yes. that. Yeah. It'll be good to see him. See gotta stay at least one. Big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to a recap of week seven of college football. Pretty good weekend. It was a really good weekend. Mm-hmm. Like we said, it was a perfect weekend weather-wise for Fun. football. Sunny mm-hmm. day. And we had some interesting games happening. Sure did. So what do you say we get right to it? And let's recap our fastest 15. Cue the music. The Orange Man. Once again, tried to keep the outsiders on the other side of the fence. But there was no offense to be found. Oh, no. As Clemson escaped a last-second field goal attempt by Syracuse's kicker, winning 17-14. Kicker! Ed Ogeron is now Ed Oger gone. Sad. After LSU announced his departure at the end of the season. But his Tigers fancy themselves some gator meat. Tastes just like chicken. Who knew? I don't know. And Tyron Davis Price was right. Finishing with 287 rushing yards and three touchdowns. My goodness. LSU wins a shootout, 49-42. Go, Go Tigers. Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> Go Tigers. Stetson Bonnet put up numbies on Stoopy Pants and the Wildcats. Oh, man. Leading Ugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-Gugga-
Yukon proves it is more than a women's basketball powerhouse, ending its 11-game losing streak by beating the almighty Yale Bulldogs. Huskies quarterback Steven Krajewski had a QBR of 32.3, even though he threw for 200 yards and two touchdowns with no picks. Huh? Yukon defeats Yale, 21 to 15. Now, if that isn't some SEC bias, I don't know what is. <laughs> Arizona State demonstrates that the Devils, as well as the Spirit, go to bed at midnight in Salt Lake City. The Devils' offense went up big to start it off, but got Thanos snapped out of existence as soon as it got dark. Cameron has Utah rising from the dead as they complete the comeback 35-21. to Uh-oh. Now, pulling into Pullman, we see Nicholas Rolo won't get the vaccine it's pull off the upset just like the administration pulled his hiney out of the head coaching job. Washington State heads into the week's matchup with BYU. Red hot, just like Rolawakit's pants. Washington State beats Stanford 34-31. Now we turn to the front of a Cheez-It bed battle where UNC kicked the Tar Heel out of the Miami Hurricanes. Miami's Ebis mascot thought it was flying right into victory, then bam, it right and right in the glass window of UNC's home, oh. choking on an interception in the final minute. UNC takes home the dub. 45 to 42. My toes. <laughs> In a stunning turn of events, St. James and St. Joseph turned to old-fashioned Spanish-slash-Native American-slash-Greek violence to settle their qualm, and many other saints burned their barns of tears watching this good old-fashioned shootout. Can we say that word? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unfortunately, the slugfest fell upon closed eyelids as the game was all locked up at 6 when the clock donged 12. St. James go Diego go on to win in double overtime, 19 to 13. Four was not one of the words yelled at Princess Lena Organa Kiffin. The Rebel fleet flew through the rocky top asteroid belt. Matt Corral Walker told Darth Vegas, I will never join you, as he led his squadron to a spread, covering win over the volunteers. Looks like they should have stuck to clones, eh boom? Oh yes. Ole Miss beats Tennessee's 31-26. Mustard. In a battle for the bottom of the SEC, Vanderbilt was defeating all odds against South Carolina until they finally defeated themselves. Our boy Zeb Nolan led the Cock Games to a game-winning drive, defeating the Commodores 21-20 and snapping South Carolina's nine-game SEC losing streak. Wow, what a game. Love to see it. What a week, boom. <laughs> Need some water. Need yeah. some water after that. Need some water too. And that was a little recap of the 15 games of the week that we found the most interesting. Oh, oh, oh dear. Okay. Now moving on to some hot topics that are going on in the college football yes. world. Um, so this playoff, everyone was really excited because it looked like this was just going to be a chaotic enough year that we were going to have a ton of new teams in the playoff. Mm-hmm. However, it's looking like it might not turn out that way. There is a scenario that we believe to be very likely where Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship, Oklahoma wins out, and Ohio State wins out, and those four teams just end up making the playoff again. So the question is, do you think that's likely, or how many new teams will we see in the playoff this year? That's a good question, and I think... <clears throat> that scenario you mentioned is looking more and more likely as the weeks go on. Um, as the season began, it looked like some of the new teams we would see were maybe Penn State, 
Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was up there? I mean, Cincy's up there. Cincinnati. Cincy's up there. Oregon was. Oregon. Yeah, Oregon was. Notre Dame. They've been in there. Texas A&M. <laughs> Got Oklahoma State kind of floating around right now. Yeah. But it seems like those new faces just keep kind of losing one after another. Mm-hmm. Keep dropping and out. the old faces, Georgia, Oklahoma, are just... They're Taking waiting. care of business. <laughs> they're wanting <laughs> to walk right in like they always do. Uh, Cincinnati will be the team to keep an eye on, I think. Mm-hmm. Personally, Ohio State also. Mm-hmm. They took that loss in, was it week three? Week two. Week two, week two against Oregon. Oregon. And they look very strong since. They've kind of climbed back up the ranks. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, imagine this. Imagine you got Alabama, Ohio State, <clears throat> Cincinnati, Georgia. Mm-hmm. All the teams are red. Red oh and black, red goodness. and gray. That's not cool. That's not cool at all. No, that's I want like, some blues in there. Yeah, yeah. Like, get confused watching the game. Maybe a nice green, a yellow. <laughs> green would be fantastic. Mustard yellow. Ooh. Yeah. The mustard cakes. Orange. Mm. Orange. Okay. Purple. It's not Clemson orange. You get some fuchsia. <laughs> Chartreuse. I think it is possible that we could see Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Cincinnati, um, yeah. or Oklahoma, right? Depending on what we see. I think that there are more scenarios that may or may not be more likely that we get new teams in. Ohio State has been looking good lately. <clears throat> Michigan, Michigan State, both undefeated, both looking really good. Penn State, whether we like it or not, they still have a chance. If they win out and win the Big Ten, they're going to the playoff. Yeah. So I think there's enough possibilities. And who knows, if Oregon wins out, they could have themselves in contention. Yeah. If enough people ahead of them lose, right? Yeah, people ahead of them yeah. will have to lose. I think <clears throat> my biggest eyes are going to be on Alabama and Georgia in the SEC championship game. Yeah. Because that is going to decide whether we get Alabama and Georgia or just Georgia. And then, other than that, Big Ten East. We're about to head into an absolute gauntlet oh, yeah. of November. It's that's going to be great. Incredible to watch. So, we're going to see if somebody can come out on top or if they're going to cannibalize each other. Honestly, I think they're going to cannibalize each other. That that oh man, that division is just so tough this year. It's insane. Mm-hmm. I honestly think that Georgia does have a chance to beat Alabama this year. I agree. But yeah. the Kirby Smart effect is just so <laughs> awful against Alabama. Nick Saban just has his number. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I know we're at least my philosoph- my prediction. I mean, is I think we're going to get at least one new team in the playoff this year. I think okay. it will be Cincinnati. I don't think Cincinnati will be left out. The scenario you were talking about, Jared, about Penn State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Penn State, because of their loss to Iowa, sure they got uh, Sean Clifford got hurt. Yeah, but because Iowa then went on to lose to Purdue, mm-hmm. I think I think right now Penn State's ceiling is five. Okay, even I if really they win think, the Big Ten championship, even if they win the Big Ten championship, I really think that they're okay. uh, depends on who they're playing. Because, you know, the Big Ten East, like you said, it might cannibalize itself right now. Right. They very well could be a two-loss team heading heading into the the Big Ten championship game. So that's I, I think we're going to see at least one new team. I would like to see at least two, but I don't think we'll see one. Yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. And I think we're going into the part of the season, this last half. This is where all the teams are going to start playing each other. This is when the... The wheat will be separated from the tares. But Michigan go. State gets exposed. I think Michigan State and Oklahoma State should play in a bowl game. Oh, 
Okay. They're okay. literally the exact same <laughs> team. <laughs> Though Oklahoma State oh, does have yeah. some impressive wins. I think Michigan State is a fraud team. All right. I think they are seven. They're seven and zero right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would venture to say that they are going to finish this year nine and three. Wow. That could be very possible, and they could still be a top eight team. Yeah. It, it, yeah. Because if they lose to Michigan, Ohio State, and Penn State, you can't blame them for that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think for me, it comes down to. Whoever comes out of the Big Ten, I think only one team comes out of the Big Ten. Okay. Yeah. Two come out of the SEC if Alabama beats Georgia. Mm-hmm. And they both have one loss. And if Alabama doesn't lose, or yeah, if Alabama loses to Georgia to take two losses, I think they're out. Yeah, okay. I think so too. And then that would open the door for a Cincinnati, maybe. Uh, depending on Oklahoma, if they went out, I think they're unfortunately in. Yeah. Yeah. With Caleb Williams, which yes. I now believe that they're good. Because <laughs> yes. they have Caleb Williams. So it'll be interesting. The first playoff rankings to come out November 2nd. Okay, we're getting close. So two after, weeks. after two more weeks oh, baby. Of, of games. We'll, at, we'll know what the committee's thinking about these Oh, yeah, that's teams. That's two weeks from today. That's insane. So that'll be something to look forward to yeah. as the playoff draws nearer. What, since he'd be ranked like ninth or eighth? Um, <laughs> I think it's going to happen. Could happen easily, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, another hot topic. Um, so now that uh, Ed Orgeron has been, uh, they signed a statement of agreement of release or whatever. Right, blah, yeah. Blah, uh, we have the LSU and the USC openings, which two very high profile jobs yeah. maybe could pull some big coaches. And we've even been hearing Dabble Swinney's name get thrown in there. You got James yeah. Franklin, Matt Campbell. What are you guys thinking? Mm. My think first we'll... thought yeah. is... Did, didn't Coach O used to coach at USC? Mm-hmm. Bada bing. That's what I was going with, too. Coach. He so. was interim, and he did very well. I think he was like 9-3. and three. Yeah. What are the odds he just goes back there? I was going to bring that up. I think <laughs> yeah. I think that the odds are about 35%, okay. which is pretty high. Yeah. When you talk about 35%. like... Probably higher than anybody else, then. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think James Franklin is one you're going to have to keep mm. your eye on. Yeah. Thank yeah. James Franklin, because Penn State has been at that. And James Franklin's even said this: like we're a great team, but we're not elite yeah. because he can't consistently beat Ohio State. He can't win the Big Ten, right? I think if Penn State comes out with two or three losses after this gauntlet in the next month or so, you gotta watch him. Yeah, I think he's definitely earned some respect the last you know four or five years he's been at Penn State. He's mm-hmm. Had a lot of good finishes. He's had a lot of good wins, big time wins. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a, the LSU job. I think if James Franklin did take one of these jobs, I think it would probably be the USC job. USC. I just don't think like Jim, James Franklin personality wise is an incredible fit for LSU, but I think he's a perfect fit for USC. Okay. Okay. So yeah. like LSU, I think the guy that ends up taking the LSU job is going to be like a hard, tough guy. Yeah. Coach yeah. Like, yeah, like like a coach O-type. Southerner. Like Southerner that loves crawfish <laughs> and he loves uh some gumbo. Twelve monsters a day. Gumbo. Yeah. Like really yeah, I don't know who's gonna end up taking this job. They've thrown Dabo Sweeney's name out there. I don't think that's ever gonna happen unless Dabo Sweeney gets let go. If there was yeah. a year though, this would be the year because Clemson's having a down year. 
they've kind of been exposed for the problems they've had in the past that haven't cost them yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Trevor Lawrence leaves and all of a sudden <laughs> yeah, doesn't have Sean Watson team. or Trevor Lawrence. So what mm-hmm. is he going to do now? Yeah, right? that's true. I don't think he'll be fired, but yeah, you know, maybe this year of all years, it's the possible. odds are higher. The yeah. odds are higher. Moving on to the next hot topic. This is something that we were discussing in the group chat earlier and that we are all very passionate about. Uh, we, you know, we're looking at a tweet from Greg Rubel that says, you know, BYU is contracted to play in the Independence Bowl against a Conference USA team. Uh, should we not get invited to New Year Six, which we absolutely will not this year? Nope, yeah. not anymore. <laughs> nope. Why the heck did we sign that contract in the first place? Like, I get it, like we want to have a bowl, right? But why do bowl contracts exist in the first place? Why are there assignments? Do you believe that there that those assignments should exist, or do you think that all bowl games all bowl game positions should be at large bids. Um, I think. I mean, I don't understand the purpose of the contracts. Kind of like you were asking, money. like yep. literally, it, money. if we get six wins, we qualify for a bowl and we play in a bowl. I don't think it benefits us at all to you know lock down our position in the Independence Bowl. <laughs> yeah. Uh, necessarily, so I don't really get that. I think as far as New Year Six Bowls go, um, those have like kind of an affiliate with like all the Power Five conferences mm-hmm. plus a few at larges. Yeah, that makes a little more sense to me. Um, but as far as like signing contracts with like the Poinsettia Bowl or the Independence Bowl like yeah. years in advance, I don't see any need for that. I don't know what it does for us. Yeah, the only one that I've really like thought had a significant purpose in the past was the Rose Bowl, yeah. right? Yeah. Because back before the national championship games existed, you had Pac-12 champ play the Big Ten champ. And that was, like, they literally called the granddaddy of them all, right? Like, it was the biggest yeah. bowl game. Everybody watched that game. Mm-hmm. That's the one that's made sense to me. But all these other ones haven't really made sense. So I'm in the camp of you just take away all of them, all of the affi- affiliations or whatnot, and you just have like a bidding war or something like towards the end of the season you say all right there's this many teams that are bowl eligible there's this many bowls go ham you know or do like you know five will play six seven will play eight nine will play ten yeah i just i hate watching like these bowls that are like oh we have number 12 wisconsin playing unranked and eight and four wake forest because (laughs) we need to have an acc versus big 10 team yeah Yeah. i hate that it's ridiculous like at the end of the year you'll see like Undefeated, uh, let's say undefeated SMU, mm-hmm. right? Or like eleven and one SMU, and instead of playing like a power five opponent, they're playing like seven and five Western Michigan, right? Because mm-hmm. like, why not give these G five teams that have played well a shot at beating a power five team, of playing a power five team, of playing well and getting that recognition? Like for example, BYU, we're playing this entire year. We're saying, okay, we have New Year six hopes. Okay, well, if we can't play New Year Six, what are we gonna do? Play a Conference USA team. <laughs> like we're not even gonna play like a mid-tier SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12. Like I get okay, we've already played enough of the Pac-12 this year, but a Big Ten and SEC, a Big Twelve. Why are we not playing a Power Five team? I don't get it. Just like last year, last we, year, last year we had this example. incredible season. Mm-hmm. Lost to Coastal on kind of a gimmicky game where we only had three days to prepare. Two days. Who do we? <laughs> oh, yeah, two days. We travel. Who do we play in the bowl game? UCF. We had like three losses. There were three and three. 
So you got like your number ten BYU team playing a three and three UCF team, three really? And, three. and you have your number thirteen freaking UNC team playing Texas A&M. Why don't you have BYU play Texas A&M or UNC? Why do you? Ah, it's so frustrating. It. I don't get it. I really don't. But you know, yeah. that's college football has this whole behind the scenes thing of you know people that have been in the industry for 50, 60 years. These contracts have existed. There's like a certain way to do things in college football that can be a little frustrating at times. Yeah. And I think we'll get into this a little more as bowl season draws closer. Um, so let's just get straight into it. Our playoff Pete's and okay. our lurkers. Dan, you want to kick us off? Who are you top? Yeah. Four? I'll give you my top four teams. Plus a few knocking on the door. Mm-hmm. If you will. Number one is Georgia. Okay. I think we no, all no discussion agree. needed there. Yeah. Number two, I have Ohio State. Oh, okay. Jump them up to number two. I'm basing with one this loss. kind of on the eye test as far as which team looks the best. Not necessarily like who hasn't lost or who has the best schedule. I think Ohio State recently has looked like the best team. And I just made this by comparing them to Alabama or Cincinnati or Oklahoma. I think they look better than all those teams. Interesting. So I have them at two. Number three, I have Alabama. Okay. Yeah. They did lose at Texas A&M on kind of a game-winning drive, but I think you can't write them off yet. They're still Alabama. Um, they're still coached by Nick Saban. Yes. We'll see how the season progresses. I could see them winning out and going to the playoff and winning the whole thing, or maybe they're having a little bit of a down year and they lose to Georgia and don't make the playoff. We'll see, but I think I have the mess number three right now. Number four, I have Cincinnati. Okay, you move Cincinnati into your top four. Got to give them some right. love. Um, I think they look better than Oklahoma or Michigan or whoever, so I have them at four. And my lurkers are Oklahoma, Michigan, Penn State, and Oklahoma State. Oh, already not Michigan State. <laughs> not convinced yet. <laughs> I'm not convinced on Michigan State either. Uh, my top four right now is number one, Georgia. We all agree. Yep. Number two is Oklahoma with Caleb Williams. Yeah. Uh, with Caleb Williams, Oklahoma just has looked incredible. They've looked unstoppable. Number three, Cincinnati. Uh, they played an incredible game last week, so they really passed the eye test. Number four, I have Michigan because I still think it is very possible that Michigan beats Ohio State this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be big if it happened, but I, I do think it's possible. Big game. Lurkers, I have Ohio State lurking. Alabama's lurking just because, you know, they're Alabama, of course. And mainly Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State is really, really lurking right now. And I think that they have put together a team that is like okay offensively. They're like good. Yeah. But they have a pretty great defense right now. Mm-hmm. I know. They're for playing the really well defensively. <laughs> they actually yeah. play defense. Yeah. Very weird. They held Baylor to 14 points. Mm hmm. Very we impressive. definitely didn't do that. So we probably didn't run from for 300 yards on <laughs> No. So shout out to Oklahoma State. Alrighty. Uh, well, mine are very similar. I got Jaja at number Jaja. one. Cincinnity at number two. Uh, Oklahoma at number three. And this is based upon the, you know, predicated on the fact that Kill Williams yes. will be the starter going forward. I, Important I'm distinction. <laughs> yes. You guys see Oklahoma's Oklahoma fans like, go Caleb absolutely Williams. wild when they announced Caleb Williams. As yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Deserved. He looked electric. I agree with them. He looked so good. Number four, I got 
Michigan, okay? Now, hear me out. This is how I'm setting up my top 10 that you'll see later on the Instagram. Undefeated matters most, right? I think undefeated matters more than anything because that one loss, kind of, depending on who you are, right? Like, Alabama still has control of their own destiny, technically, right? Right, yeah. But usually when you lose a game, it's out of your hands, right? Mm-hmm. Ohio State has lost. Yep. So they have to overcome that. Michigan State, Michigan hasn't lost yet. They, yeah. If they keep winning, then they're in, right? Guaranteed. Next for my lurkers, I have Ohio State, Alabama, Penn State, Iowa. All these one-loss teams that are very good but have lost game. Yeah. And then I got Michigan State, Oklahoma <clears throat> State, and then Oregon. I think all those teams are kind of in the mix, and we'll have to see what happens in order to get them going forward. Uh, shout out to Big Game Boomer. He uh, just posted a, in, he just did an Instagram post, and he has Baylor Romney as the number eight backup quarterback in the nation. Oh, Ooh, he knows. Okay. <laughs> we've talked about Baylor Romney a little bit on this podcast. We we're very high on him. We um, love Baylor. We've kind of been wondering if maybe he'll transfer. Uh, <laughs> yeah, which I honestly I could see happening, but I've also talked to Baylor one on one, you know, because he's in one of my classes, and he's kind of said that you know he's. Maybe it's time to move on and go into like more of a professional career because he is going to graduate. He's only Which a sophomore <laughs> eligibility wise, but he's graduating like in two months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, who knows what will happen there? But shout out to Big yep. Game Boomer. He uh, might be hopping on the podcast here pretty soon. Yeah. So that's exciting. Well earned by Baylor Romney. Yes. Well, I think that about wraps it us. Uh, wraps it up for us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, make sure that you share us with your friends and family if you're listening all the way to this point. Yeah, <laughs> that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, share us around. Give us a follow on the Instagram. We're going ham on the content there. We really, really are. Great yeah. stuff. We've got the dank memes going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, go ahead, listen, share it with your friends, family, and uh, yeah. Yeah, check us out Instagram and Twitter at Let's Talk Pod. Uh, make sure you share our posts on your story. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you do that, then we will give you some kudos. Maybe send you some Cheez-Its. Uh, yeah Uh, thank you for listening to this episode make sure you check out our website as well letstalkpodcast.com and we will see you guys on Thursday thank you